Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Master Craig. Hello everybody. How you doing today? In case you're joining us for the first time, I am Senior Master Craig Greca. I am a 6th degree black belt in the Universal Martial Art, a 5th degree master in the Choi Kwon Do Martial Art, and also a brown sash in Kung Fu, and I've been training in two or three years in Kabuto Weapons. We're here today to discuss the teachings and trainings inside the Karate Kid universe, including the Cobra Kai Netflix series. Now, uh, today's example is brought to us by the Karate Kid Part 1. When Mr. Miyagi first starts to teach Daniel karate. Now, before he teaches him, he puts a headband on him and he says, we have to make a sacred pact. And he said, we, if you walk on the right side, you're safe. If you walk on the left side, you're safe. But if you walk in the middle, sooner or later, you get the squish, just like great. Now, this is important from a martial art perspective, because if you don't make the commitment, you cannot develop the reflexes necessary to defend yourself. Plus, you also have a false sense of security that you somehow can defend yourself when in fact you cannot. Now, uh, today's topic is commitment. Commitment. Okay, so a little history on this. Um, first of all, um, my mom um, always made us follow through with every commitment. Okay, I've got a few, uh, few stories on this. I'm going to keep them kind of short. But um, <clears throat> we were in, my brother Scott and I were in Boy Scouts together. And when we were in Boy Scouts, um, we started off and we, we always did everything together because uh, Scott and I were so close in age. Um, and uh, what happened was is that in, in, uh, in Boy Scouts, they, the, the troop is ran by the boys, um, so ran by us. So they, we decided to um, make new patrols. And we made new patrols up. Uh, we got reshuffled and Scott and I got put into separate patrols, okay? And we always been together before, so we were both kind of mad, and both of us wanted to quit because we got put in separate patrols. The adult leaders felt like it was a good thing to separate us out, so that we can, uh, you know, grow and develop on our own rather than uh, next to each other all the time. So I wanted to quit. So did my brother. You know, we wanted to quit Boy Scouts. Quit. We're just going to quit. My mom said that's not a reason to quit. You know, you need to make sure you follow through. And uh, we listened to our mom and we went back to Boy Scouts and um, both of us got our Eagle Scout. So that was a huge accomplishment and we never would have had it had it been for, had, had it not been for our mom telling us to, the firm commitment. And also too, the same thing happened um, when I was doing track in middle school. Uh, I had joined with my friend Darren and uh, we, were, we did uh, track and field together and um, suddenly to his group of of friends, it became less cool to be in track and field. So he opted to uh, skip practice and not go to track anymore. So I was like, well, if Darren's not doing it, I'm not going to do it either. So I said I wanted to quit. Then my uh, track coach quartered me in the uh, school and asked me why I wasn't at track practice. So I told him, I said, well, I, I quit track. You know, my friend Darren doesn't do it anymore. Uh, I don't want to do it anymore. He said, well, you know, doing what your friend is doing is not always a good, good uh, excuse to quitting something. You know, um, if you enjoy it, then you should do it. 
and I told my mom about the encounter with the teacher. I didn't even have him as a, as a teacher, and he still came up to me in the hallway and, and cornered me. So um, I thought that was kind of nice and, and flattering uh, because he thought of me. And uh, my mom told me, you know, he's right. You shouldn't quit just because your friend doesn't want to do it anymore, okay? And uh, I ended up making a lot of friends in track and field. I did high jump and pole vault, and I had a great time in uh, middle school and in high school later on. So, um, as you can see, my mom never let me quit when I, when I started something. So, um, she always made me follow through on every commitment. Um, so anyways, um, some recent history on this topic is I actually wrote this topic um, for the black belt speech for the last black belt test I did before I left Florida. Okay, so there is some, uh, some overtones from that test in this speech. Uh, blame it on the uh, podcast. You know, I, I decided to write my speech like a podcast uh, because I'm used to uh, writing those for, for, the, for this podcast. So anyways, um, <clears throat> moving forward, um, the work task for today, okay, is that when it comes to martial arts, you have to do the work yourself, okay? Nobody can do it for you, okay? Sometimes I make a joke to the uh, parents and kids, um, I said, um, well, I'm, you know, I'm not a, uh, sometimes I joke around and say, I'm not, a, I'm not the puppet master. I can't, I can't make you punch and kick, okay? You have to do it yourself. You have to take your own energy and you have to do the work. You have to do the preparation work, okay? Which means you need to come to class, you need to practice a little bit at home, you know, uh, test regularly and uh, make the, uh, the commitment. So it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, I teach Kung Fu as well. And um, I was, um, our podcasts are always about uh, working hard, okay, doing hard work. And the actual literal translation of Kung Fu means hard work, okay? And that's true for most martial arts, okay? You got to do the work. Um, when sometimes uh, students, they, they uh, rush or they cram for their belt exam, okay? Uh, it's usually frowned upon. I don't usually like that too much. I understand in some situations how that may be uh, uh, warranted, um, but um, students should pair, prepare in advance and should be constantly improving. In fact, one of the things that I do um, when I do test preparation for my students is the very last stripe is a blue stripe that they get. In other martial arts, they do different ways, whatever, but the final stripe is the improvement stripe, okay? It's tying it all together and make sure the student is still improving, still getting better all the time, okay? I, I promise you that it's all worth it in the end, okay? So when you do the hard work, you prepare for your um, going up the ranks and prepare for your black belt test, and then you finally get your black belt, it's, it's worth it. You know, it's something, it's an accomplishment. It's something that you could, uh, something you can put on your, your uh, college entrance, um, your job resume, you know, um, and people, you know, they, they treat you a little bit different. You know, I know over the years, uh, some of the things that I was able to write on my college and work um, resumes was the, the, the black belts, you know, the, and the, uh, also to the Boy Scouts, um, Eagle Scout and stuff like that. That was always nice things to be able to put on there. And sometimes there may be an employer or a college uh, uh, 
prepare or exam, you know, uh, I'm not sure what the, the, um, the college uh, acceptance person could see that, you know, hey, this person is an Eagle Scout or this person's a black belt. I, you know, I, I'm a black belt too, or I'm an Eagle Scout too. And they, they help you out more because you've been in the same shoes as they've been in. So um, it's kind of nice to have those kind of uh, things uh, as accomplishments. Now, um, the martial art practice, okay? Um, this is geared today, it's geared more towards the um, getting of a first degree or a second degree black belt, okay? But, you know, you can practice this at home. It's always fun at home training. First, in the physical training, some of the techniques that are learned at the first degree black belt are the um, headbutt, okay? Now, the headbutt is, um, is, a, is a, sometimes people think it's not a very practical uh, movement because you are using your head as a weapon, but your head is very hard, okay? Um, especially around the crown of the head where you wear your hat, okay? So anywhere where you wear your hat um, can be used as, a, as an offensive weapon to someone, um, against someone, and uh, except for probably the temple area close to the ears, um, that area is a little bit more sensitive. Uh, my favorite area, of course, is right above the eyebrow. Okay, so right above the eyebrows is a very good place to use as a headbutt weapon. Also, the back crown of the head can be used when someone has you in a uh, bear hug type of situation. Um, but what you do is, um, the misunderstanding on that technique is that you do it head versus head, okay? And a lot of times in movies, that's how it's portrayed. But the uh, reality is, is that that, that uh, weapon is, is better used to hit, you know, right above the eyebrow of your head and to hit someone in the jaw, okay? Or the temple of their head, where that soft part is in the skull next to the ear. So next to the ear, or next to the jaw are two places where you can use the headbutt butt effectively um, and that would help you out to be able to defend yourself, especially if your arms are pinned. So if your arms are pinned in any way or grappled where you can't move, you could use your head as a weapon. And that's the more practicality of when you would use it. Now, another thing learned at the first degree black belt level is the double kicks, okay? Now, double kicks are really cool. The one at first degree um, is a lower kick and then a higher kick, okay? So the first one's a little bit lower and the second one is higher. Um, and it is a faint movement, okay? Now, faint means that you um, trick someone to going one way and then you uh, hit them in, a different, in another way. So the faint can be done in different ways. A, a fake to the side and then, and then a cut over to the towards them is a feint where you you pretend that you're going to go one way and then you divert and go the other way also to the double kick because you go low first then high the person reaches down low to block the first one because they see a movement and then you hit them with the second kick okay um, so feint strategies are really cool in the black belt arena okay and how to use your techniques more effectively to get in through their defenses okay so double kick and also too, the, um, we use a um, fake punch whenever you do a cross step kick. So when you do a cross step kick, like say, for example, a cross step front kick, you, you reposition your legs um, for kind of like a rear leg front kick, but you're really not, it's still the front leg. Um, but you retuck it and move forward 
while using a fake punch and they look at the fake punch as a decoy or a feint and then after that you kick them with the kick. Okay, so if they go to block the hand, the fake punch that wasn't meant to be a punch, it was just a fake, um, then they could block that and then get kicked with the kick that you have right after. Now, um, one of the things that's uh, good about learning double kicks at the first degree rank is that you get better at each kick. So, for example, there is a limit. People, martial art industry is going to hate me saying this, but there is a limit to how many techniques there are. Okay, um, I've been uh, doing a lot of research for uh, the martial art movies that I do um, and trying to find new techniques that we can use for the movies. And I've gone through a lot of martial art bibles looking at different techniques. Okay, what this technique is, what this technique is, what this is supposed to be, how this is done. And there, there is a limit to how many different hand techniques there are. There is a limit to how many kicks there are. And therefore, since there is a finite amount of kicks, then you have to get better at the kicks that you have. A lot of people don't like to hear that. They want to hear that once you learn a kick, that somehow you're automatically proficient or have mastery with that kick, when in fact you have to get better at it. So... The first degree and second degree arenas of our martial art are a great way to refocus those kicks and to get better at each of those kicks. So I recommend you, if you're a color belt, making sure that you have those kicks down, okay? If you don't know the, all the four or five steps to every kick, then you need to work on those so that you're prepared, okay? Now, um, one other thing that's learned at second degree black belt is um, the people that are testing from first to second is they start doing sliding kicks okay now sliding kicks are done where you're pre-pivoted ahead of time and then you slide uh, forward about six inches or a foot and add to the power of your already existing good kick so you have to make sure first that your kick is good before you do the slide and make sure that it's configured before you slide in order for it to be a good kick Okay, so if it's not a good kick, um, then you, um, it won't be better with the slide. Okay, so there's been students before um, that have um, tried to slide with their kick before it was a good kick, trying to add to its power before they can even master the kick. For example, uh, side kick. Side kick, you have to get your knee back. It's a well-established fact that you have to get your knee back and your foot positioned before you kick. Okay. Now, some people would just slide forward, not get their knee back, not configure the pivot foot, uh, the support leg, and then just try and add to the power by sliding. And I tell those students, don't slide yet. Don't slide. Make sure, you, make sure you have a good kick before you start adding sliding. That's why it's learned at higher ranks, because you have to configure it before you kick. Okay, so uh, sliding kicks are a great way to add power to your kick once the form is correct. Now, um, part of our martial art mental training is that martial arts is all about making a firm commitment to the process, okay? Now, uh, many parents do help their kids to be successful, okay? I had uh, uh, two kids down in Florida, and their mom was the driving force behind them the entire way. Without their mom, they would have quit a long time ago. 
but their mom was committed. I told her, I said, you know, we should have given you a black belt, you know, because she helped them out so much. Um, she had one kid with special needs, and she helped him all the, the, the whole step, of, the whole way up to black belt, okay? And uh, parents do help, just like my mom did, okay? Um, I do salute those black belts for making the commitment to play the long game and set a long-term goal, okay? So anybody that's gotten a black belt with me, I salute you. You know, anybody got a black belt in general, I salute you because it is hard work. Um, I also salute those making the commitment to continue to black belt and beyond, okay? So even my current students, I salute you for working your way towards black belt and those people out there, um, including my Florida students who are training in my virtual hybrid program, um, I um, salute you guys for continuing to black belt and beyond. Beyond means second degree, third degree, fourth degree black belt. Um, and some of the students out there that listen to my podcast, if you were close, like for example, blue belt or above, you really should consider my virtual pro hybrid program to finish what you started. Okay? Um, it's a great process. Like for example, I had one student down in Florida, just for example, he's red belt. Okay? So he is like eight months away from testing for black belt or less. That is so close so close to finishing, okay? And I always uh, salute those that put forth the effort. I've had a lot of people that got to Brown Senior, and that's the one thing that I never understand, okay? How you can get to Brown Senior and not finish, okay? Uh, or Brown Belt. So anyways, I promise you that it will be worth in the long run, okay? And I also um, wanted to make this uh, historical note as well. Do you know that, uh, like, for example, like, like Buddhist monks, um, different kind of Tibetan monks and stuff like that, the ones that, that, that are in the monasteries, uh, learning martial arts, learning Kung Fu, learning different martial arts, they're always training, okay? So the excuse that, you know, I did it for three years and I'm done kind of stuff, uh, doesn't really resonate with me, okay? Because monks like that, they never stop training. Someone who's a, a real martial artist never stops training, okay? Uh, they're always keeping their body healthy. They're always working hard. They're always trying to better themselves. Um, it's a lifestyle, okay? So I uh, wish those people that, that follow that lifestyle or um, those who maybe got their black belt, I hope that they're still training at home, hopefully using our podcast as inspiration, okay? And I wish you good luck for the future, okay? Good luck to all my students, both past and present, and uh, also my future students, uh, up here in Michigan. We're looking forward to seeing you in class and uh, also to to wish you good luck for your future training. Now, a um, couple things today, um, just to kind of wrap up. Um, the secret phrase today is tip of the iceberg. Tip of the iceberg. And that's because of the um, drawing that I've seen so much on Facebook from my different martial art friends where they show the black belt as the tip of the iceberg, and then underneath the water, you can see the sacrifice, the training, the dedication, the hard work, the commitment, you know, that you that nobody else sees. They only see the black belt test and say, wow, they did a great job, but they didn't see all the hard work that you put into it. And that's true with just about everything, okay? Whether you're an Olympic athlete, you know, nobody 
he sees all the, the broken toes or the fractured uh, hairline fractures or the, the strained joints or the sore muscles. or They don't see any of that. All they see is whether or not you got a gold medal or not. Okay? If you got the gold medal, you made it all the way. Maybe you didn't. And, uh, but that, that's, that's, that's the tip of the iceberg. A lot of times people only see the tip of the iceberg. So we use that as a secret phrase today. Of course, the technique of the week is the headbutt and the sliding kicks, okay? Because those are two things that are unique to the first degree and second degree programs uh, when someone is making this long-term commitment towards the process. So anyways, um, remember that um, in order to fully learn Miyagi-Do Karate or any martial art, you have to unlearn your misconceptions about what constitutes training. See, this is at-home training, okay? And um, also, too, um, just make sure you keep on remembering we'll be here every week. And we're hoping to uh, add some more episodes here to help get caught up. And I hope you're enjoying Karate Kid Master Dojo. So, therefore, remember that we're learning martial arts through everyday work thus creating life around you, increased productivity, and a better world. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. This is Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Master Craig. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye.